Bedrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have pumped on in. The Giants have won the pennant. All right, welcome back to the Thompson and Clark podcast. Brad, we now know when the season is going to start. We know when spring training starts. And it looks like the players and the owners made some headway and they agreed to basically what's going to happen with this, uh, you know, the second pandemic season. And we're going to get to the whole story of that. And we, you know, we have the breakdown and such. But uh, did what was it nice to see the two sides finally get together instead of constantly bickering uh, in, in the press? Well, it- and like you said, we're going to go over it. And once we go over it, I think everybody's going to kind of understand. You get a little better understanding of why it takes so long. Yeah, and, why it's so hard. Oh, and why are there so many things to uh, to agree on and disagree on? Because, you know, going through the list today and everything in the article um, that was on The Athletic, I, I just sitting there reading and I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, these are hardcore mm-hmm. restrictions. Um are the, uh, you know, as we go through it, we're going to ask the question, are the, uh, are the penalties hardcore? Some of them, not so much, uh, when it comes to mask wearing some of it. Yes. When it comes to, uh, you know, not being in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. and, uh, going, going astray during the season and possibly exposing yourself. So, right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And, and I think they learned from last season. They know the couple of times where players kind of went AWOL and then they had to cancel games. And I think some of the teams were like, oh my gosh, like, you know, just because of this one player where we have to like shut down the whole game. And and that's exactly what happened. So, um, so yeah, so, but, but, you know, we, we've been doing this podcast, I think this is episode 29. So 29 weeks, which is really cool to me. Yeah. I've, I've always, I've always wanted to do giants related stuff. So this is uh, this is super fun for me, but, um, you know, we went through the whole pandemic season last year. We're getting ready to go through another one. And I think, you know, this episode uh, is going up a day later. We usually try to record Mondays and then put it up Tuesday morning. But sometimes life gets in the way and then we'll just push it out today, Tuesday and Wednesday. But the only reason I mention that is because had we <laughs> gone to uh, record uh, in our normal time frame, we would have missed the signing that just <laughs> right. happened today. Reportedly, the Giants signed another lefty bullpen guy. And the second uh, player that, that uh, Farhan, Farhan has signed, uh, not just for this year, but also for next year, uh, and that is Jake McGee. Yeah, the, you know, the cool thing about Jake McGee, he's kind of a local guy. Um, I'm from Reno. Well, not from Reno. I live in Reno, uh, in the Reno you're, area. You're a resident. You're a Reno resident I, I've now. I've been here so, what is it, 17, uh, 18 years now, actually. So, And, and how, how old were you when you moved out of the Bay Area? Uh, I was 30. So it's still, Denise and I were just talking about this the other day. I still have a ways to go before I've lived here longer than I have in the Bay Area. Uh, you know, I'm going to reach that point at some point. Uh, you know, our kids are native Nevadans, uh, native uh, uh, Washoe County residents. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so he's from uh, Reed High School here in uh, in Sparks, Nevada, which is our neighbor. Um, when you when you say the Reno area, it's Reno Sparks. I mean, that's pretty much there. They, they butt up right against each other. If you, you know, when you think about the Bay Area, you can drive from San Jose to, I mean, all the way up to like San Francisco and go through through, oh, I don't know, like 15, 20 different uh, uh, cities. Well, here it's, there's two. <laughs> you got two. You got Sparks and you got Reno. And then when you leave, you're going to the Bay Area or you're going to Utah. That's pretty much it. Um, but he's a local guy who's born in San Jose and his off seasons are spent here in the Reno area, uh, getting himself prepared and, and ready to go for the season. So that's kind of cool. So that, that'll be a fun story throughout the season for us here in Reno. Uh, but you know, Jake McGee, 34 years old, he's, he's pitched for quite a while. Uh, he's, his, his rookie season was 2010. He was a draft pick by the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Um, 
And let's see, what year was he drafted? He was drafted in 2004, so six years to get to the majors. Finally got uh, his, his his chance in 2010. He pitched with the Dodgers last year. Um, Amazing so, season. Yeah, so 20 innings last year, 2.66 ERA. Strikeouts per nine, and I'm starting to notice this trend. I'm sure you are with the... Uh, with the Brian Bannister and yeah. uh, and Zadie guys, we're starting to see those high K per nine. Um, and sometimes along with that is a high walk per nine because they mm-hmm. think, well, we see something there. They we can fix one thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We could fix that one thing. And that one thing to fix hardcore big time is getting that, uh, those walks per nine down. If you can get those walks per nine down and you can stop guys from, uh, you know, free passes on the bases, uh, you know, you're golden, especially with a guy K per nine at 14.6 last year and walks per nine at 1.3. Okay. So you look yeah. at his stats, right? Like, yeah. and I looked at the baseball reference page earlier today. Previous to last year, I would say three out of his last four seasons were what I would call this dude is on his way out of the league. (laughs) Yeah. And then last year, you know, smaller sample size, but still, you know, 30 percent, actually more than 30 percent of the season. So like like a a large section of the, the season and he went bonkers. And so my thought is, okay. Because of this new fangled way of uh, using your pitching staff, he probably was facing pretty favorable lineups when he was in there, probably being used more as a specialist than he's ever been used in his career. I don't know that for sure, but just as I'm looking at what his stats are, that's my guess. And if that is the case, because the Giants, what we saw last year is they very much have their pitchers pitch in the same way. You know, if it's high leverage and you're bringing a lefty in, he's more than likely going to face a couple lefties. You know, he's not, he's not in there. You don't bring in a lefty and all of a sudden he's facing an entirely right-handed lineup. Like they don't do that anymore. And so my question to you is, do you think it was more of that? Is, was it just this, you know, fountain of youth that he found? You know, we've been hearing a lot about how, Pitchers may be getting away with a little bit of cheating with the ball these days. That's a little sneaky. Uh, I'm just wondering, like, because we I, I didn't really follow him that closely, but you have mentioned him to me a couple times. And I was just wondering what you think about uh, his 2020 season. You, you know, it could be fluky. And the reason for that is just talking about the strikeouts and walks, um, which is kind of a big thing. So his strikeout per walk in his career is 3.96. So for every, you know, every 3.9 strikeouts, he walks a guy. Um, Last year, it was 11. So, I mean, that is enormous. Um, But then his career, 3.96. Yeah. So does he fall back in line to that this year? I don't know. I've seen some mentions on the web, um, you know, just kind of saying, hey, don't, you know, don't forget this guy's a closer. Uh, He Mm -hmm. can be a closer. He had 19 saves in 2014. He had 15 saves in 2016. Overall in his career, he has 45 saves. So he's, uh, he's basically your new Tony Watson, right? Mm -hmm. Because Tony Watson's not coming back. Um, I don't believe. I mean, from what I remember, uh, as as we say that, I've got to look him up real quick. But I, I'll look I, him up. You, you okay, keep talking. Right, I'll look him up. So, uh, I mean, he's he's your new left-handed uh, uh, specialist. Can he close some games? Probably. Do the Giants have a closer right now? No. They. I mean, they, you know, we've kicked around the name Reyes Maranta. A lot of people have. He was injured last year. Um, so that that's kind of a big deal right there. Do you you now have that left-handed guy out of the bullpen that can close some games for you. So that's really important. Um, that's going to fill a huge need. But again, I mean, but and when you look at his ERA plus, so the ERA plus is uh, 100 is the league average and it's adjusted to the player's ballpark. So in, in his seasons, he's had really good ERA pluses. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five times in his career, five seasons in his career. So that's not too bad. When you look at 11 seasons in the majors uh, and five of those he had a really good ERA plus. So you're getting a guy who, who has something, 
who has that promise, who, who is there and ready to roll. And the Giants see that and they can just kind of, you know, plug that in and see what they've got and see what they can do with it. So, yeah, I mean, it looks like it looks like Watson is just kind of one of those guys that's out there. And I think they have to figure out what his market is because he is coming off of a decent season. Like he had a pretty good season, but I think most people think that he's kind of on his way down. He's, you know, he's, he's now in his middle thirties and uh, you know, we've, we've been talking about this before, which is the giants are one of the few teams who are actually spending money this year, even though they haven't really broken the bank for certain guys, they are very active and not a lot of teams are active in the free agent market because of lots of teams losing money last year. How does that reset the free agent market? And, and Watson may be one of those guys who gets squeezed and with the amount of lefties that the Giants have on the team now, especially with McGee, I kind of wonder if he's, uh, you know, if he is actually sort of replacing a Watson, because I don't, I don't imagine that you sign McGee and then you also were thinking of bringing Watson back. Yeah, probably not. And Watson was probably going to cost more than two years, seven million. Um, but 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 again, left-handed specialists make a lot of money, uh, and that's just kind of the way it is. Um, it's funny. Just a side note here: they're they're looking. You know, Baseball uh, Reference does projections. Uh, I don't know how they get them because this doesn't look like a projection for 2021 based on his career stats. But uh, his, his career stats, walks per nine, are two point five he had 1.3 last year 2.4 the year before and looking at it they've got him at 3.2 projected (laughs) this coming season so they do think some of that stuff is a little fluky like you said i I think so but he's only he's only had a a 3.2 or above um uh, walks per nine the last time he did that was 2016 and then before that, 2013. So, I mean, and he's never been higher than that other than, you know, his first full season in the majors in 2011. So I don't know if they think he's just going to go to the Giants and, and just start walking people because that, that's kind of an, an odd projection. I, I'm not sure where they get those, but... Yeah, and I'm sure some of it is, you know, small sample size last year. Generally, there I'm sure there's an algorithm that tells them every year that someone gets older they there's a regression involved so i'm sure some of that is 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 what's in that that number too oh yeah for sure but you know excited to have them they're really the giants are shoring up the bull their bullpen and again all these moves that they made this offseason you know listella uh everybody else that they've grabbed just kind of it's really cool i mean it's to see them just plug in those pieces you know uh, with now bauer with the dodgers and and padres doing all their moves that they're doing are we going to compete for first place second place i mean maybe possibly second place and like a hard maybe um <laughs> but but the fact that they're putting something together and it's going to be a competitive team on the field and then when they're facing the rougher teams you know the the teams that are really bad like now the Colorado Rockies with Arenado gone off to St. Louis oh yeah you know the the Giants are looking to say when we go up against Colorado we need to win like 80% of those games because we're even, putting a team together that should. Even though when they go to Colorado, it's always a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I know that. <laughs> you, you definitely don't want a guy that can walk 3.2 per nine if you're going into Colorado because you're going to give up hits. You're going to give up home runs. It's just going to happen. So you want to keep people off the base paths as much as possible. So yeah, that whole 3.2 per nine, you know, walks per nine from this projection is weird, but, but yeah, I mean, they're going to go into Colorado and speaking of that, I mean, Jake McGee pitched in Colorado from 2016 to 2019 and his ERAs in those years were his first year there, 5.29. That's ugly. Mm -hmm. Then 2.93. Hey, that looks great. Then 4.91 and then 6.00. So, I mean, he's rough in Colorado, but you know, fantastic. I'm sorry. I was looking at his FIP. 
I was wondering why those were so off. So we'll go 4.73, 3.61, 6.49, 4.35. So not 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 as bad as those FIP numbers, but um, but either way, uh, you know. So he he can pitch well. Colorado is a tough place to pitch. When you go back to his Tampa Bay numbers, they look way better than they did in Colorado. And then you look at his Dodger numbers, they look really good. And so pitching in AT and T Park. You got to say they're going to be a little more in line with the Tampa Bay and the and and the Dodgers numbers. So, all right, before we get to this big story with Major League Baseball and the Players Association coming to some sort of agreement about the season, uh, I wanted to ask you about your beverage for the evening. Well, I went um, I went old man today, <clears throat> so I went. Um, you know, I didn't feel like having a beer. I had a couple beers over the weekend, Super Bowl and everything. And Saturday, it was, you know, went out and took uh, took the older uh, daughter out to play some baseball, even though she doesn't play baseball anymore. Um, I coached for 15 years. I played for I, I don't know how many years, but um, every once in a while, you know, on Saturday during the, especially during the winter, the weather's nice up here. She says, "Hey, let's let's run out to the field and hit a couple buckets and throw the ball around." So, so we did so, that. so you still have buckets of baseballs in your garage. I have 3 buckets of baseballs in the garage. I have one that is a bucket of uh you know the uh, practice uh, baseballs, the wiffle. Mm-hmm. They're uh they're yellow ones with the with the holes all over them, not actual mm-hmm. wiffle balls. So I got a bucket of those, got a bucket of soft like T-ball baseballs. Um and then a bucket of hardballs. And depending on when we go out to the park, it's right next to our house. There could be seven or eight people with like 12 dogs out there running them around. They do, <laughs> you know, dog park meetings out there. So then we use the wiffles because then we don't want to crack anybody. Yeah. Uh, if nobody's out there, we'll take out the hardballs um, and then we'll use the soft ones sometimes too, just for a little more, uh, keep things. Uh, usually I hit the bucket of soft ones so I don't crank them into the playground. <laughs> But so we'll, we'll go out there and we'll play and we'll still do all that stuff. So, you know, I had a couple beers on Saturday after that and some on Sunday. So today I went with the old man, uh, Zevia caffeine free cola with a, uh, uh, two ounces of the Trader Joe's, uh, straight bourbon in there, the, the 45% or the 90 proof, um, more of a summer drink, but you know what? If I just want to sip on something for a while, that's kind of what I'll hit. It's nothing crazy, but it's good. That's that's actually pretty interesting. Um, I find that now you are um, somebody who has, you know, you, you have a little, of a little bit of an array of whiskeys and bourbons. When you think of mixing with whiskey or bourbon, do you kind of go, okay, this is my lower scale bourbon where... I'm not too worried about wasting it. You know, I may have a few or do you put like your really good stuff in your, you know, whiskey and cola or whatever? No, I, I exactly what you said. I take the stuff that like Trader Joe's bourbon mm-hmm. that I like. I even I had some straight the other night. Um, <clears throat> I think it was Saturday night and it was good. You know, I just had a little bit with an ice cube mm-hmm. uh, just because I like to hit that flavor every now and then. Remember what it tastes like. But that's what I'll put in the cola. Uh, the really good stuff like the Uncle Nearest that I had last week. Oh, no, I'll just put an ice cube in that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I, I would be afraid to put that in a cola and then uh, have the police show up and be like, what are you doing with this good whiskey <laughs> putting it in Zevia? So yeah, so I try not to do that. <laughs> okay, but the Zevia is interesting because that it doesn't necessarily taste like Diet Coke. Like there's a yeah. different flavor to it. So is that kind of your go-to if you're going to have uh, a Coke is to go the Zevia route? Well, I don't drink uh, regular Cokes or Diet Cokes or any of that stuff anymore. We are straight Zevia. So wow. if you open our fridge, because it's got the no food coloring in it, or, right? you know, the what is it? Uh, caramel coloring, um, just basically citric acid and uh, artificial flavors or, or natural flavors, whatever you want to call them. I don't know. Um, but it, so I like that. So I, I've got the Dr. Zevia, which is one of my favorites. That's their Dr. Pepper knockoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got like uh, the kids like the orange and the grapefruit. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think I've had like a regular Coke or Pepsi or even a Diet Coke or Pepsi in, in at least five years, maybe that I can remember. Hmm. Okay. I may, I may have to give it another chance because the last time I had one of those, 
I had like the worst aftertaste. <laughs> yeah, there. You know, it's it's packed with stevia. Mm-hmm. So stevia does have this kind of like earthy mouth, <laughs> big feel to it afterwards, and that's what the other night when I made my uh, uh, on the on the podcast, I had a uh, an old fashioned instead of sugar. I made it with uh, stevia. Right. I realized that a whole packet of stevia was bad. That's a bad thing. You don't want to do that in an old fashioned. So now I've gone to like about a half, a little bit more, and then you don't get that kind of like breathy, uh, because you know, it's made from a plant. Like we actually grew some in our backyard a couple years ago. Um, and my wife was making mojitos with it to sweeten it up. And that actually tasted pretty good. She would actually just cut the plant. Um, uh, what do you call it? Mullet, mash it, uh, whatever it's called where you take the like a wooden thing and you Mm -hmm. crush it in there um and then she was making mojitos and that was pretty good i liked it straight up like that so uh but yeah it's got a weird aftertaste not 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 definitely not for everybody all right so i'm i'm just drinking straight bourbon but the the thing that i wanted to mention is that i only have well so i have two whiskey glasses that fit cubes ice cubes and i have the and i have two or actually have four of the other whiskey glasses which are they're kind of have that weird shape where um it's like it's like it's like very uh thin at the top and then it kind of bottoms out like a little a little wider at the bottom and i think that is generally for like if you want to drink something neat but my uh my problem is that when I drink neat, um, I, I have to be in the right sort of mood. Usually when I drink a beverage, I like it cold. I like it. I'm thirsty. And so it's it's rare that I drink some that I drink it neat, even though, you know, I, I, I enjoy things like that, too. But especially in the evening, like I'm like, oh, I always want ice. And so I found these two whiskey glasses and I was just going to buy more because I just wanted to have more than two where I, where I could put ice. And they came with these like steel cubes mm. that you're supposed to freeze. I've and got I some think rocks like that. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. supposed to just simulate cold. Yeah. And, uh, and so then I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. I'll get these glasses because it comes with these, with these little steel cubes. And then my wife reminded me, she's like, yeah, but I thought you liked it when the ice melted and then it kind of watered it down a little bit. And I was like, yes, you're right. That was really dumb. <laughs> but I, I was just so curious about, you know, these kind of steel ice cubes. So uh, I tried them out today. I don't think I put them in the freezer long enough. Like they were a little cold, but not super cold because uh, the bourbon that I'm drinking is really heated. So I'm going to try them out again. I'll, I'll give it like a couple of days in the freezer so they can actually really get cold. But yeah, so far, my wife was right. I, I don't enjoy it as much as I thought it was going it's, to. You know, I'm I'm not sure when I'm ever right and, <laughs> and my wife is wrong. So I, I totally understand. I mean, it usually it's like, Hey, uh, Brad, you, you know, this, you don't like that. No, but I do, but I'm going to, and I do. And I go, yeah, you know what? You're right. I don't like that. <laughs> so I, I've been there many times, but we forget. So, yes. so now what's, my- what's, what's the bourbon? It's one that I had, uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago. Uh, I think the, I think the brand is like Breckenridge or something, but oh, you know, most, most of my whiskeys and bourbons are right around like the $30 range. So they're all sort of like, I, I don't know if that means anything. Like if, if all $30 bourbons and whiskeys are of the same quality, but they are not this one, <laughs> this one was a little bit more expensive. And I was like, you know what? I'll buy this expensive bottle. And when I just want to drink the bourbon, uh, and just kind of chill out, I'll have this. And so I was, uh, it, it lasted me like several months. And then, uh, I just finished it off today. I was like, oh, I want to try these ice cubes, but I want something really good with these ice cubes just to make sure. And so that's what I chose. So, well, and, and the, I have those whiskey stones, um, and we keep them in a bag in the fridge or in the freezer. And so what I do during the summer, if I'm going to pour like a really big bourbon is I'll put the whiskey stones, I'll put like two in there and then I'll put my regular ice cube like I normally do. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of keeps 
the the chill around. That's for interesting. A while. Yeah, that's an interesting yeah, idea. Maybe I'll do that here uh, during the summer. It could be 105 degrees when you go outside right. to have a bourbon on the porch. So to keep it as cool as possible, I'll, I'll just add a couple of those stones in there. So yeah, hmm. interesting. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to figure it out. I'll get my use of it, and then if I just get too frustrated, I'm going to throw them away. But hopefully, <laughs> there you go. hopefully, I'm not there. Okay, so we're going to talk a lot about stuff that's going on in the major leagues right now. Less about the Giants. We had our Giants news with Jake McGee. Let's talk about this story with MLB and the MLBPA coming to agreement on what's going to happen this season. So we've been wondering, is there going to be a universal DH? What's going to happen with the double uh, with the extra innings rule with the runner on second? And so they came to an agreement that the game, the season is going to be a full 162 game season as originally scheduled spring training is set to begin on February 17th. So from this recording, and actually when you listen to this, it'll be exactly a week away. Spring train will be a week away. Opening day scheduled for April the 1st. Seven inning double headers are back. And so from what I understand, there are no scheduled double headers. I think all of these double headers will be makeups because if you have to cancel a game or you have to postpone, I'm sorry, not cancel, postpone a game because of COVID-19 reasons, you would actually make those games up as two seven inning game uh, double headers. And the extra innings rule is back where you start with a runner on second base. That's the most Mickey Mouse rule that Major League Baseball has, I think. But I will admit that I thought I was going to be dead set against it. And the Giants themselves did not benefit from this rule at all. Nope. But these games are generally ending in one or two innings. So you're not having these long 16 inning games that just really kill your pitching staff. And so I think to that extent, it's actually a positive. It just doesn't feel like baseball. But I think to save the arms, uh, to save the staff, to make sure that you know your teams aren't playing too late in, into the evening and have to play the next day, I do think it's okay. But it just it feels wrong to me. But I understand it, and I and I get it. Well, and I think I think what it's going to do too is another season of that. So you got 162 games plus the 60 last year. So you're looking at 220 plus games um, with this rule in place. And then when the CBA ends at the end of the season, it, it'll definitely be a negotiation, a, a point. I mean, maybe the players like it. They're not going home at you know one o'clock in the morning, midnight. They're they're busting out of there you know closer to eleven o'clock, uh, ten thirty, yeah. eleven o'clock. Game's over. Uh, so so you know. It, does it matter to them a whole lot? I don't know if it does. I I think it's more us fans. And and here's the deal: as I get older in my age here. I'm okay with it. I yeah, didn't think stuff, I'd like it. It matters less as we get older. <laughs> well, and, and that's because I like to go to bed at a decent yeah. time now. I don't want to stay up till midnight or one o'clock exactly. either watching the game. Uh, I love baseball, but I also like to sleep now that I'm 47, almost 48. I like to get some Z's uh, and then pick it up, you know, and, and, and play another game the next day with everybody uh, intact and, and, and healthy. Mickey Mouse ruled to me, the one I can't stand, though, uh, and and I'll just hit this real quick and we'll move past it, but that that minimum three batter mm-hmm. rule, oh, God, I, I can't stand I, that. I, I haven't heard anything about that. I'm assuming it's still there, but I had yeah. thought that that would be one that they would pull back because it just didn't work out the way that they wanted it to. No, they put it into place, actually, um, in the before COVID, before the two... 2020 season even started. So that was already agreed upon and done. Um, so that, so that rules in there. Um, now when the CBA comes up, I really hope they hit that again. Yes. It saves time on games. And here I was just complaining about having longer games. Not that much though. I, I read no. something where it was not that much. They weren't, we're not actually saving too much time. Yeah. And the if you, length of the game. If you could trade it off with the uh, runner at second base extra inning rule, do it. You know, hey, we'll keep this, but you got to get rid of this goofy rule. Um, so maybe, maybe, maybe that'll help. But I, yeah, I don't really know. All right. So another, so the the one rule that we'd been wondering about this whole time was this universal DH. No universal DH this season. 
Uh, I, I mean, we know it's coming. It's going to eventually happen. Major League Baseball will give us a DH in the National League. And you and I talked about this last year when we were talking about uh, the season. I thought I was going to hate it. I absolutely did not hate it. I actually liked it. Yeah. So I do hope I'm, that it comes back. I'm with you on that. I, um, <clears throat> growing up, we all, you know, being Giants fans, we said, you know, American League Baseball is not real. It's not, yeah. it's not real baseball. Yes. National League Baseball is real. If you're a pitcher, you must hit. I think we've seen enough pitchers hit. I exactly. think we're, I think we're good in our old age. I think we're ready to see a little bit more offense. Um, you know, a pitcher trying to st- strategically get through nine actual, uh, you know, players that can hit. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun to watch. Um, you don't have the pinch hitter as much. You still had some bunts laid down. You still, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm good. And that's a bargaining chip for, for the, for really for the players association. They want it because it's a, you know, it's another job. It's, it's uh what is that? 15, 16 more jobs uh, open for, for hitters in the national league. Um, so yeah, so, th- so that's a bargaining chip and, and I'm, we're going to see that after the season. I, I can almost guarantee it. Okay. So one of the things that they added is contact tracing. So, there's uh, some sensor technology. So I think there's like this little thing that these players have to carry. Um, And basically it's going to track where they are. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, And, you know, sort of if they leave the, 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 the area that they're supposed to be in, like it'll, it'll, it'll alert them. And if the players don't wear it or turn it, in so i guess you have to turn it in so that the data can be tabulated they will be subject to potential discipline for violating the protocols including suspensions or forfeiture of salary if they miss time and last year uh you know they didn't they didn't have the the sensor technology but but also if um if there were there was no real discipline handed down I think by the league, I think any discipline was sort of handled team by team, but, um, you know, the discipline piece of this is, is pretty interesting because, uh, I mean, we saw it in the world series, right? We saw Justin, uh, who was it? Who was the guy, the redhead, Justin Turner Justin at Turner. the end of the game. Yeah. yeah it yeah. was Justin Turner at the end of the or world in the series. middle of the, the final game of the world series. Yeah. He's like supposedly out and then he runs on the field and he doesn't have a mask on and it's this guy you know, we're like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> I had to be the Dodgers, but like, you know, we didn't, we didn't really like, there was the, there was the Clevenger thing last year. Um, there were a couple of guys who, you know, were, were out and out and about and kind of doing their own thing and they got caught, but there wasn't like a hard and fast rule that said, if X happens, this is what the deal is. And it sounds like they're moving more towards that so that, they can try and I guess scare the players into into acting straight. I mean, the coronavirus in of itself should scare the players into acting straight, but it does seem like they will be able to be a little bit more forceful in that this year. Well, you know, and the thing about that, you remember the the one incident that the Giants had. Uh, Alex Dickerson um, tested positive right before a game with the Padres on a Friday night, uh, and they had and they and they just shut down the game. And Saturday was shut down too. They had to do contact tracing. They had to figure. So it was. I mean, it was really was the twenty twenty season was really played under like wild west rules (laughs) it's just like we're gonna go out there and we're gonna see what happens and then we're also gonna make up rules as we go we don't know what we're gonna do so this whole set of rules that they've agreed upon a couple weeks before spring training is fantastic because now you're gonna have guys you're, you're gonna be able to say well alex dickerson was around you know this person this person that person so those four players are excluded but 
you are, you know, in the rules, you're allowed to have five players on your taxi squad. Yes. Um, so and travel with the team, not be in uniform on game day, unless they are need, need to be activated. So you're going to have those players with you. So you see these four players are, are, can't play today and we're going to plug these four players in boom, let's go play. So I think that's really going to kind of, uh, fix things that we saw last year with the Cardinals just, you know, going out and rubbing their nose, rubbing their faces in it and just doing whatever the hell they wanted to do. And then everybody else suffers because you're shutting down this organization for like an entire week, yep. you know, and then you're playing 15 double headers the rest of the season. So I, I think we're going to see double headers, but we're going to see far fewer double headers in a 162 game yes, season than we I saw so. in a 60 game season. So. Yeah, 100%. And I think... Hopefully, this is this is my hope. I don't know. There's the way that many of these players think. There could be some possibilities of people still thinking this is a hoax. Gosh, I hope not. <laughs> but, but I do hope that this just means overall that these players feel so much safer than they did last year because you heard a lot of players going like, oh my gosh, like we're playing, like, you know, Freddie Freeman got really sick last year. Yeah. Like he got, I actually don't know how he feels this year, but he got to the point of where, you know, they were really worried about him. And so I hope that this makes sure that the players understand how big of a deal this is. And, you know, the teams are really making sure that, you know, the, the, clubhouse and the field and everything is just a hundred percent safe as uh, you know i guess even as as far as as much as possible because you know anytime you you're you were bringing people together there's always a risk but uh i i do hope that that we get a safer season and i know last year they had to be thinking like oh my god we're, we're just kind of going like you said wild wild west but just going into this uh this uh unknown and now we have a year and we've learned and we've seen basketball go through this. We've seen football go through this football, just powered ahead though, man. They just were like, Oh, we have five positive tests. So be it. Like, let's just go. Let's just keep playing. Well, it and and you look at Cam. And by the way, I said Wild West. You went full cool Modi and mm-hmm. said Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West. I just wanted to point that out, <laughs> and and <laughs> just, just so everybody knows. Um, but but you, know, you look at Cam Newton in football. He, the guy got COVID, was out for a couple of games, and just was never the same player Played the like rest of the crap season. Crap, the rest yeah. of the season. So it takes a toll on your body. It's a cardiovascular. Uh, a disease that really just kind of takes over your entire body. So looking at these rules and the mask rule, uh, we're going to touch on that there. Um, I mean, we just hit it right now. That yeah, go the, for it. The face mask violations when you're in the clubhouse and in the dugout during the game, you have to wear a face mask that's approved by Major League Baseball over your nose and over your mouth. I mean, novel concept, right? Like you should anyways, when you go out, don't be an ass, wear a mask, just put it on your nose, put it on your mouth. So that's what they're asking the players to do as well. It's a written, but, but here's what we were talking about earlier, the punishments. I mean, here, here's the, you're not doing it. All right. Here's a written warning. You didn't do it again. All right. Here's a second written warning. I was like, come on, (laughs) you don't do it a third time. $150 $150 violation for a guy that makes, let's use Trevor Bauer as an example, a guy who makes $40 million a year. He doesn't wear it three times in a row. Mm, 150 bucks, sir. At least make it like, you know, I don't know, $100,000, $50,000, and it goes right to charity or something, you know, do yeah. something with it to spice it up a little bit, make it a little more, uh, you know, something you don't want to do. Um, but, you know, either way, but it is written into the, into the rules, too, to say if you're flaunting it, if you're doing it over and over and over again, if you're arguing, you're a manager or somebody else and you're arguing with an umpire and you don't have a face mask mask on. Uh, we're going to, we're going to nail you. We're coming down on you. So, so there is stuff written in there. It's kind of open-ended. All right. So, uh, last couple things here that I 
wanted to pull out. So vaccination, they talked about vaccination. Voluntary, obviously. We don't we don't say that players have or anybody really has to take it, even though I don't know why you wouldn't. That's my personal feeling. Well, I mean, religious reasons. There sure. are, you know, and there there's some reasons here and there. And, and, and I get it. But yeah, for the most part. Uh, but should. the MLB and the MLBPA will strongly encourage players to take the vaccination at the appropriate time. Here's a question for you. Yeah. We know that athletes, so baseball players, basketball players, uh, football players, soccer players, they are playing at a time where we know it's not necessarily safe to play. Do you think athletes should, they, I, I would not obviously put them at the top, that there's people who need to be at the top of this vaccine list, but would you maneuver them in solely, uh, I, I, guess, I guess not based on age only, because I think that's kind of the, the one of the indicators is age, but would you shove them into some way where maybe they scoot ahead of the line a little bit because of the fact that they are doing this for our entertainment, essentially? Uh, I would not. Um, I mean, they still have the option to opt out of their seasons. Uh, I, I still think we need to get our elderly. I still think we need to get our health. I mean, I, I don't know if all the health care workers are, are, are probably not there yet. Uh, we have teachers, we have police officers, we have, a, I, 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 you know, we don't have that Johnson and Johnson one approved yet. A hundred percent. It's not out there. That's the single shot one. Once that one gets out there, I think we're going to have a, a surplus of vaccinations. And at that point, maybe, you know, start punching them in here and there. Yeah. Um, but, in, but until we get to that point, absolutely not. Yeah. And I agree I, with you. You know, I'm, I'm 47. I, I have asthma. I'm still on the waiting list with my work uh, to get back uh, into work and all that other stuff and get back into court and do trials again i still don't have it um so now nah, I, I definitely you know they should just be on on the same list everybody else is so yeah i agree with you like i was um i was surprised at the age discrepancies based on where you live because i think i'm not 100 percent sure but i think because i've seen some of my friends post about this but if you were over 65 in the bay area i think you could get on a list yeah you, i mean you would you have to actually put yourself on this list but then when i was talking to my dad they live in him and my mom live in tucson arizona and then the age there was 70 i was like what the hell why is it different yeah here it's 65 so i, I it's it's i think it's based on your governor it's mm -hmm. based on the county you're in it's based on the health department you have i mean we are so universally all over the place. I mean, talk about Wild West. I mean, that that's what's going on right now with vaccinations, or, too. Or the Wild West or the Wild Wild West. The Wild Wild West. Absolutely. <laughs> now, uh, so the oh, brings me to another point. Will Smith, the Will Smith movie. Was that Wild West or Wild Wild West? I think it was Wild Wild West. I thought so, too. All right. I mean, Awesome. Suppose uh, I never watched it, but supposedly a terrible movie. By the way, I I couldn't imagine it was good. I've I've never heard anything about it since it was uh, in the theaters. Yeah, it was wild. Uh, at least the song was Wild Wild West. He sampled. Uh, That's right. Stevie Wonder's. Um, there's a Stevie Wonder song that he samples, but I think the movie. Let's see. Was the movie also Wild Wild West? I think it is. I'll, I'll figure it out, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it, it is. Wow, wow, it was West. called Wow, Wow West. Came out in 1999, and it was a Barry Sonnenfeld movie. Mm -hmm. So that's I like Barry Sonnenfeld. By the but way, it the was Stevie Wonder song that he samples is uh, "I Wish." I wish. Okay, so yeah, it was Will Smith, Kevin Klein, Kenneth Branagh, Salma Hayek. That's a good cast. Seventeen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Don't go watch it. <laughs> um, so back to that. We we are totally in the wild wild west when it comes to vaccinations, all over the place, and, and it's kind of crazy uh, because when I look at here, you know, I called up somebody at my work and I said, hey. Uh, not trying to jump the line, not trying to do all this stuff, but what, you know, how close am I to getting it? Uh, because if they want to go back and do trials, don't forget, I'm the IT guy in the courtrooms 
making everything happen. Right. So don't forget about me. I don't want to get a call saying, hey, Brad, uh, we're starting up trials on Monday. And me going, I, I haven't even gotten my first shot yet. So. Right. But they, they have me on the list with all the attorneys and everything else. So it's just, a, but it's a matter of, you know, when the governor says, okay, you guys are up. So we're just kind of in a, in a holding pattern. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so is there anything else you wanted to mention about this situation with MLB and the MLBPA coming to an agreement? Yeah, just quickly, two things, and I'll speed through this. Uh, really cool, the spring training phases. So they're going to have phase one, two, and three for spring training. So phase one is going to be from arrival to February 20th. That's where teams can work out individually or in small groups of like eight players or less. Then uh, phase two is February 21st through the 26th. That's when you can do still those workouts, but then you can start doing intra-squad games. Um, Situations, you you remember situations at baseball practice. I always loved those. (laughs) Uh, we're going to put kind of what they do in, 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 in extra innings right now. I'm going to put a runner at first. I'm going to put a runner at third. I'm going to hit ground ball to the shortstop. Um, then in phase three, so it's kind of like three A and three B phase three, February 27th or the 28th through March 13th. Um, that's when they can start playing other teams. And those are going to be seven or five inning games based on whatever the managers decide on. Uh, and then three B from March 14th until the end of spring training, uh, you can do nine inning games or seven inning games. If you agree with another manager that that's what you want to do. So I thought that was kind of interesting, uh, breaking it up into a three phase spring training, um, and rosters this year are going to be 26 man rosters, which we knew, uh, but they're, aren't going to be expanded like they were this past season in 2020. Then on September 1st, they only go to 28. They don't go to a 40 man. They go to 28. That's pretty uh, interesting. Yeah. Cause they want to keep, again, they want to keep those numbers down. And, and again, spring training, you can't have more than 75 players at spring training. And if you have as many as 75, they're going to break you out to different fields in different locations. They don't want you all in the same place at the same time. Uh, so September 1st, they go to 28 and then you can have 29. If you're playing one of those, you know, uh, seven inning double headers, you can have 29 man rosters. So, uh, so those are just some interesting things I, I was looking at today. Question as you were reading this, yep. did the taxi squad, did you, the way that you were reading it, did it sound like all of these guys who are going to be on the taxi squad are also able to just play at AAA like normally and then if you if you're kind of put on alert you're like okay got to just make sure i have my bags packed cuz you know we're in Sacramento not too far uh you know not too far from from San Francisco so if we need to jump in a car and, and get to the ballpark we're ready but like how does the taxi squad work as far as like who's on it and if you're on it like do you you can still I'm assuming you could still play in your in your minor league season at the same time. Well, it you know, it actually didn't sound like that. It sounded like because they even talked about meal stipends yeah. in there. Um, so it sounded like when you're on the road, you're taking those guys with you. So five players are coming with you on the road. Uh, They're not allowed to be dressed for the game or in the dugout if they are not activated from the taxi squad. But it sounded like they will be there on the entire road trip. Um, And I think that's when you need it the most because you're not at home. You're not, you know, in your surroundings knowing what's safe and what's not safe. So let's say you're in New York. Things are different in New York. Yes. Uh, you know, you, but, but again, it's all written really interesting. If you do have a subscription to the athletic, look this up. It's Ken Rosenthal, um, the health and safety article. There are tons of things in there about, you know, you can go out for a jog. You can go out for an outdoor workout if you're with somebody else from your team uh, or if you're doing it safely. So it's basically things you should be doing anyways. I mean, go really, to a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all these, all, these, the, all these things are things you should be doing anyways yes, right now yes. because we're not vaccinated. We're, you and I are doing all of these things, by the way. Exactly. As I'm reading this list, I go, yeah, I've been doing this since March. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're working out 
in front of our TV yes. who is like training us. Like we're not going to a gym. Apple Fitness Plus is a godsend. Yes. Um, but yeah, so we're doing all this stuff. It's not hard to do. I mean, maybe it's hard for, a, you know, it's, it's going to be hard for a 22 year old kid playing yes. Major League Baseball, making a couple million a year. They're going to say, I don't need this stuff. But now there are written rules that say you are doing this stuff or else this is what's going to happen. So, so this is great. I think this is fantastic for this season. It kind of takes a lot of questions out of all this. But yeah, going back to the taxi squad, it sounds like uh, now I don't know what they're going to do for home games. Um, I don't know exactly how that's going to work. I mean, you're a, you know, what a two plus hour drive from, uh, from, from Sacramento to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So if you're needed for a game, hopefully it's not a situation like with Alec Alex Dickerson, where they found out right before the game, but it sounds like with all the testing that they've got in place, there shouldn't be any surprises. You know, it shouldn't be a Justin Turner in the middle of game whatever of the World Series that, oops, uh, you tested positive, you're coming out of the game. Well, he's already exposed how many people and he's coming out of the game now. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to see that again. All right. We were going to talk about the baseballs and what they're doing to the baseballs, but I'm going to save that for our next show. And so we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that on the next show. But there was a story... You mentioned the athletic about uh, Major League Baseball is asking Rawlings to change the baseballs a little bit because uh, they're flying out of the park a little bit too much. So let's change the baseballs. <laughs> I, we'll, we'll table it. We'll save it for next week because I do want to spend a little bit of time on our next two topics. The first one, which is Trevor Bauer signed with the Dodgers. He signed an interesting deal in that uh, lots of options for him. It's not a long-term deal. And usually when pitchers get into their 30s, like the, the whole thing of it is is trying to secure that, you know, five-year, six-year deal because pitching is hard and, you know, injuries often come. But instead, Trevor Bauer and his uh, agent, they decided to go for a shorter deal with more player options and player freedoms so that if Trevor Bauer has a great season, he can opt out and get back into the free agent market, which to some extent is a little bit smart because we know that baseball isn't spending a lot of money this year. And if we were able to get fans back next year, maybe they open up the checkbooks a little bit more. But I just never, you know, we we, we saw it with Lincecum. Lincecum would have these like two-year deals and you're wondering like, wow, like that's kind of interesting just because of the injury factor with pitchers. And then my guess is that he regretted it because he, he, you know, he, he did not, he, it took him, it was like three years later and he's out of the league really, you know? So I, interesting deal, but at the same time, it's the Dodgers. And now I kind of, uh, I can, I can find that hate and that frustration with Bauer. Whereas if he signed with us, I would have to create like this, this, uh, you know, Oh, I'm a Trevor Bauer fan. But now that he's with the Dodgers, I think I can find enough things about him to, uh, to, to really root against him for this season and the next season, as long as he's with the Dodgers. Well, yeah, I mean, he is like I, I posted on our Instagram. He is public enemy number one for us now. Yes. Now, I mean, I was excited. I was like, oh, you know, he's 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 mentioning the Giants. Cool. That's cool. Now you look back and you go, oh, he had mentioned us because he was trying to drive up the Dodgers. Price. Oh, yeah. Dodgers didn't want to see us get him. So that was driving up the Dodgers price a little bit, I, I would assume. Um, you know, I was excited to get the guy and now that he signed with the Dodgers and now today and the, and yesterday and the day before I'm going back and looking at his YouTube stuff and I'm going, God, I hate this guy. <laughs> I can't stand this guy. I didn't want him on my team in the first place. Well, when, that's not. when we were doing this, when we were trying to find some enthusiasm for signing him. And look, just from a, from a player's standpoint, anytime you sign a guy who is as good of a baseball player as him, that's a positive thing. Now, is it quite possible that he can, you know, go back to what he was two years ago or whatever? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like, you know, this baseball is hard. That's, that's the whole reason. But if he had signed with the giants, like, uh, you know, when we're going through this, there's stuff with him on Twitter and him sicking his fan base on women. And, and there, you know, there's a lot of stuff that he is probably not. Um, I don't know. He, he's probably not the best 
person for for uh, to represent a team, I, I guess, from a personality standpoint. But if they if the Giants were in the mix, I was I was like going like, OK, I think I can find reasons to root for him. But there's a lot of low hanging fruit for me to kind of be frustrated with him as a personality and so i was trying to you know i was kind of just making sure like you know weighing those things against each other and then it was pretty quick i was like okay they're not getting him like he's there there's a few other teams that are higher in the mix that are going to pay for him and we we knew this because you know the way that zadie is is working things out you know next year and the year after is when they're going to have a lot more money to really go push for push for somebody and so when he signed with the Dodgers, I, I even though I think he's probably going to be pretty good, especially if he's going to be like their number two or number three starter, he's going to be good for them, I think. But at the same time, like you said, very easy to hate. And so I was reading, uh, I think it was Grant Brisby. He was trying to parallel who Bauer is to players of the past. And he goes, oh, you know who Bauer is. He's Matt Latos. Oh, <laughs> that's very true. And so how can you not just immediately think of Matt Latos and go, gosh, I can't stand that guy. And I'm so happy that he sucked at the end of his career. And now you're like, OK, Bauer's probably going to be better than Latos. But man, that's that we're, we're circling his starts against us and we're paying a little bit closer attention. It's him and Kershaw. We're just paying a ton of attention to those starts because <laughs> we want to beat those guys so bad. Well, and, you know, and here's the funny thing. Kershaw's a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. He's, so, he seems like he's a pretty cool guy. <laughs> so, so that's the thing. So and he's and just, we just good, and he destroys us. That's why yeah, we hate him. But but he's a nice dude. Uh, and so you know, and and okay. So I'm a, I'm a big fan. Of, and, and quick plug here, I'm a big fan of the uh, Smartless podcast, which is. Um, Will Arnett, uh, Jason Bateman. Oh, yes, yes, I've heard of it. And uh, Sean Hayes. Yeah, you've mentioned this before. Yeah, and Kershaw was on there. So if you get a chance, go back and check out that podcast when you're done with this one. Go go check it out and listen to the Kershaw interview. You can't hate the guy, after, <laughs> especially after that interview. I was like, well, he's kind of a cool dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then Bauer on that team now, you, you kind of look at Kershaw and you go, oh, Kershaw is just the nice little guy in the corner now. Because now... Yeah, like you said, yeah, Matt uh, Posey's punching bag Latos. <laughs> I mean, that that's pretty much what Bauer is to us now. But this is good. This is what sports is all about. Yes. I, I mean, sports rivalries. I'm I'm we're Giants fans. Uh, we hate Dodgers fans, but we razz them and we love them still because that's just what it's all about. We, so this we opened gives, a podcast a couple of weeks ago with Tommy Lasorda, like. You know, yeah, we respect exactly. is given on this show, even if they are our rivals. That that's absolutely right. That's absolutely what this is all about. So to have that, I mean, God, you, do you know how ecstatic and how crazy Giants Twitter is going to be if the first time we face Bauer this year we touch him up for five runs in the first? It's going to be insane. And that's what you look forward to. You go, God, I can't wait to get this guy now. Yeah. Now, now, let's look at his deal. $40 million for year one. All right. I mean, $40, 40 million for a guy who's 75 and 64 with a 3.90 ERA <laughs> and a 1.26 whip. $40 million. And with an opt out after each year, so he can opt out after this year. He's not going to because he's going to make $45 million in 2022. He'll be 31 at the end of that year. He also has an opt out, which he will use because he's only going to be making 17 million in his third year. So it's heavily front loaded, 102 million over three years. I mean, I, I shouldn't say for sure he's going to because, you know, 
messes up his arm, or let's say he has a five ERA two years in a row, he's going to take that 17 million because nobody else is going to give him 17 million for a five ERA. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, this, this is just one of those things you look at him and you go kind of, you know, I can't wait to hate this guy this coming season. Every loss he takes, every time he gives up three or more runs in the first couple of innings, we're going to be on him. I don't, if he's pitching against the Marlins and he does that, we're going to be on him. Oh yeah. That's just the way it's going to be. But this guy wanted LA. He wanted New York. He wanted a big market. He wanted to build his quote unquote brand. Like you said, he's not LeBron, (laughs) right? I mean, he's not Tom Brady. There's really not much of that brand to build. You've got to win. You've got to be great to get a brand really behind you where people won't laugh at your brand. So that's kind of what he needs to do in the next two seasons. He's got two seasons to build that brand, be a winner and be outstanding on the mound. And and it's a good team to do it. It's either the Yankees or the Dodgers or maybe the Cubs, though. I don't know about the Cubs these days, but just, you know, Red Sox, these big market teams. But, you know, Garrett Cole hates Trevor Bauer, so he's never going to the Yankees. Yeah, right. Um, but he so, was going to go to the Mets, maybe. Yeah, because yeah. he wanted that market. He wants that big market, and this is a, this is really a safe choice because you can go to the Dodgers. You can have an ERA of four and a half, five. You could go ten and ten, twelve and twelve, and you're probably going to win a World Series because of everybody else around you. So this really is a safe choice. If he had to go to the Mets, he would have to be along with DeGrom, he would ha- they would have to be those they would have to be that that would carry them. You know what I mean? So even though they've got Lindor, but he would need to carry that team a little bit more, a, a lot a bit more than he would have to with the Dodgers. So I think that's what I'm trying to get at. The Dodgers is a nice safe pick the Mets would have been a lot of work for him to get that uh, that brand built. All right, last subject of the day. A writer, a national baseball writer, who had some Bay Area ties to his sports writing, Pedro Gomez, passed away. It seems like just like suddenly, like he had tweeted... Uh, I, I want to say this. He passed away on Super Bowl Sunday. He had tweeted like the day before. Yeah. So it sounds like it was really sudden. But where people and where this ties to the Giants is uh, he covered the Barry Bonds home run chase, uh, you know, tr- surpassing Hank Aaron for ESPN. And you had actually sent me a little bit of a tweet thread by FP Santangelo, who played for the Giants uh, at, at a certain a certain moment. I, I don't know if it was right around that time. It may have been right around that time. And yeah, it was actually uh, during the chase. During the chase. Okay, so Gomez was writing about it, and he was basically saying that the national standpoint, the national fan base, because of the steroid shadow that followed Bonds, and just because, you know, Bonds was not, the most popular player in baseball that a lot of the fans are kind of rooting against bonds from breaking Hank Aaron's record. And like, you, you know, you parallel the two and like Hank Aaron, like class act dealt with so much Barry bonds. The Barry bonds of today is, is a very nice guy and someone who really understands the people who paved their way. The Barry bonds of, you know, that time frame. maybe not so much though. He was a little bit older and I know he held Hank Aaron in, in a very high regard, but just not the, he, he wasn't uh, the, the most media friendly. He didn't post the nicest quotes that made him look great. He was, you know, he was just like, I'm good. I'm, you know, the, the sports illustrated article, I'm Barry Bonds and you're not <laughs> like, that was his attitude. Yes. Right. Yes. And so, when it comes down to it, Pedro Gomez's angle with the story was that, look, San Francisco Giants fans love this dude. They definitely want him to break this record. But nationally, that's not the story. The story is that a lot of people are actually rooting against him. So he kind of covered the story from a negative slant. And I remember this because, you know, I'm a Bonds guy. So I was kind of frustrated with that coverage, too. And I always thought he was being a little bit unfair. But then you sent the FP Santangelo 
tweet thread where FP explains the whole thing really well. And what you find out is Pedro Gomez was 100% absolute class act. There's so many writers who are who have stories of him taking them under his wing they talk about you know there there was one i believe it was a howard bryant who um i think was it howard bryant My, i think it was howard bryant he he had um he had the a's beat uh because someone was ill or or something happened and tony larusa was like digging on him and pedro gomez was like Tony LaRusso, you just need to stop. <laughs> like, this dude is doing his job. Like, quit being such an old man. You know, that kind of thing. And so, like, nothing but great stories about Pedro Gomez. And I know you did a little bit of research on him, too. So, kind of want to end the show, you know, recognizing Pedro Gomez. Yeah. So Pedro Gomez, uh, you know, going back and watching, it's been a while. I I haven't watched ESPN a whole lot the last few years since MLB Network uh, came to uh, fruition and, and, and was born. Um, But, but always, uh, so, so Pedro Gomez has has covered 25 world series. So he's been around for a very long time. Uh, A lot of great reporting on, on baseball tonight back in the day um, and, and, and all the way up until his death. And, uh, yeah, going to that FP to Santangelo thing to clear things up. So Santangelo played for the giants in 99. So he was a teammate of bonds. Um, and then in 2007 is when the incident took place where, uh, uh, uh Gomez was, uh, was covering for ESPN was in the giants dugout, was doing some reporting that, um, Santangelo did not agree with. So he confronted him and he said, I confronted him. Uh, you know, kind of hot headed. I came at him and I said, you know, what are you doing? The the San Francisco loves this guy and you're out here reporting in in a horrible way. And so he said that uh, Gomez calmly explained to him this, this is the angle the rest of the country is taking. And I'm reporting for ESPN and this is the route we're going. We're looking at outside of the country. So it's fantastic reporting. It really is. I mean, because we're in this bubble in San Francisco as as FP kind of goes over, we're in this bubble. We love the guy. We're, we're following the chase. It's all our thing. Um, so he said that kind of built a relationship between the two. He said he waited a couple of days. Uh, and this was when FP, I believe, was with, uh, you know, probably what it was at the time, Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area. Uh, he waited a couple of days. He went to Gomez and he, and he apologized. And he says they, they've been great friends ever since. Uh, and then, uh, you know, as you know, FP Santangelo went over and was a play by or a, a color guy for uh, the Washington Nationals. So when the Nationals won the World Series in 2019, um, he said he saw Pedro Gomez in there, you know, covered in champagne, saying that he's watching Pedro Gomez because of uh, Pedro's love for the game, and 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 he knew that he could tell that Pedro was thinking, yeah, here it is, that the right guys won because they beat the Houston Astros because the Astros were doing some ugly things the last couple of years, and the right guys won the game, won won the World Series. And they won it for baseball and they righted baseball. And, and Pedro Gomez was extremely happy about that. So uh, just reading that 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 tweet thread uh, just kind of brings some warm feelings. And then then you go to YouTube and it's just heart wrenching watching, you know, guys that uh, that they had worked with him, like Matt Vaskersian and Harold Reynolds uh, and all these guys that had worked with him. Um, Rachel Nichols had worked with started with him at the same time at ESPN. So watching those YouTube videos and them announcing his death was just absolutely heart wrenching. Um, you know, I just remember the guy for so many years. He was so happy all the time on the air. His interviews were fantastic. He was bilingual. Um, his parents were from Cuba. So anytime he had a, uh, uh, you know, Spanish speaking player on there, he would ask them uh, questions in Spanish and translate for them. So it was like, he didn't need a translator cause he took care of all that. Just a great reporter and just a, you know, horrible, horrible story. Uh, you know, so rest in peace, Pedro Gomez and, and, and condolences to his family and everybody at ESPN and everybody who knew him never, I, I've never read anything bad about the guy. 
guy. So, uh, you know, huge loss for our sport. All right. I think that's the perfect way to end the show. Nice job with that. And, uh, and yeah, so, uh, for Brad, I'm double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace.